Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. So welcome to COVID Noise Filter. My name is Dr. Mark Yandere, and we are so happy to have guest co-hosting with us, Nurse Julia. Welcome to the show, Nurse Julia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be coming on board with you guys. Thank you so much. And now on to the show. Lead poisoning amid COVID lockdowns. Now, over the past few decades, lead poisoning prevalence has decreased dramatically. This is largely due to routine childhood lead screenings when visiting the doctor and a change in products used at home, according to the New York Times. Yeah, the consequences of lead poisoning are something to be concerned over. Lead disrupts the neurological and cognitive development of a child. It can also lead to learning disabilities, behavioral problems, and developmental delays. Children who live in older homes are at increased risk. In fact, older homes are made with lead-based paint. Doesn't that sound crazy? Lead-based paint. Because when it flakes or peels, children can ingest or inhale it. Other areas of exposure may include lead pipes and building maintenance. And because of this, many states either recommend or require children to have these tests done at their regular checkups. Unfortunately, with increased quarantining and lockdowns, many young children are having higher lead exposures. The pandemic has disrupted lead removal efforts as well. Diagnosing lead levels has become more difficult, leading to about 10,000 children with the undetected and increased lead levels. This was just in the first few months as well. Children are not getting routine tests like they were prior to the pandemic, and children of color are at a higher risk. Yet just in April, lead screenings decreased by 88% in New York City and 43% in Minnesota. Nationwide, in the first three months of the pandemic, testing levels fell 50%. Now, there is no reversal for lead poisoning, but there are ways of mitigating its negative effects, including nutritional supplements and educational services. The biggest thing right now, increasing the number of children getting tested for lead. The best strategy is a preventative strategy. Absolutely. Yeah, this is wild. I mean, like every facet of life is yes. affected by the pandemic. I mean, I don't care what it is. I was thinking the same thing as we were reading that story, too. Pharmacists say overworked and understaffed conditions may put patients at risk. Now, we've talked about how the added stress and pressures and anxiety that's taking a toll on all of our healthcare workers. One population we haven't discussed are pharmacists and pharmacy techs. Now, according to NBC News, pharmacists are having to work faster, fill more orders, and juggle more tasks with fewer staff members. While people are able to pick up steam for a short amount of time to get a job done, it's impossible to keep up such a fast and stressful pace without the risk of jeopardizing patient safety. 
Now pharmacies are being tasked with giving COVID-19 vaccinations as well. How dire could the consequences be if somebody makes a mistake if they aren't given additional support to handle yet another responsibility? NBC News spoke to 31 retail pharmacists and pharmacy techs in 15 states. They described a field of healthcare professionals that are at a breaking point. The pharmacists and techs reported 12-hour shifts that were so busy that they don't have the time to go to the bathroom or eat, or they're crying in their cars every day after work or lying awake at night worrying about mistakes that they may have made while they were rushing. Experts say that the more overworked pharmacists are, the more likely they are to make errors. Pharmacy errors include miscounting the number of pills in a bottle or missing a dangerous drug interaction that could be potentially fatal. Al Carter, the executive director of National Association of Boards and Pharmacy, said that pharmacists are being asked to do additional tasks and are not necessarily receiving the assistance they need from their employer. This is a huge concern for pharmacists' well-being, but also more importantly for patient safety. And as a pharmacy tech in New York put it, we are going to have a fatal error somewhere because we're doing too many things at once. It's important that pharmacists are recognized for all of the work that they have done and are still doing so that they can get support they need to keep us all healthy and safe. Sewage in Paris fights COVID. Now, normally the thought of sewage doesn't inspire excitement. However, the pandemic has changed our perspective on a lot of things. And sewage is now exciting because Paris is using wastewater to track the spread of coronavirus in the city. This is a story that we've talked about on COVID noise filter. Uh, I think especially during the summer, we were seeing the direction going. And in fact, I think we even we had a name for it. What do we call it? We said, I think poop predicts pandemics is I think what we were calling it. So anyway, according to ABC News, it can take days for humans infected with virus to exhibit symptoms, but COVID-19 shows up immediately in human waste and consequently waste water. Test results allow scientists studying the water to alert the government to a potential outbreak of the virus. And this is an early warning system that has helped the country better understand the spread of the virus, and it's allowed experts to pinpoint where further restrictions are needed or where others can be lifted. Researchers say that the process determines the concentrations of genetic material from COVID-19 in the sewage samples and also allows them to detect and identify variants earlier. Epidemiologist and ABC News contributor Dr. John Brownstein says wastewater epidemiology represents a whole new opportunity. It means that you could potentially detect illness even before people know when they are sick. Now, while the U.S. has analyzed wastewater for coronavirus as well, we are still far from having a national monitoring system like France. This type of citywide, statewide, or even countrywide surveillance could go a long way to not just predicting the next outbreak, but it could stop outbreaks in their tracks and prevent any further restriction or lockdowns until we come out of the other side of this pandemic. So this is a really great technology, and we'll continue to be following that. Zoo vaccinates apes. Now, after eight gorillas tested positive for coronavirus in January, veterinarians at the San Diego Zoo decided to not take any chances and they vaccinated five bonobos and four orangutans with more scheduled to be vaccinated later this month. Luckily, all eight gorillas were quarantined, treated, and now they're recovering. 
According to NPR, the COVID-19 vaccine that the San Diego Zoo used on its apes was produced by the veterinary company called Zotus. It's not the same vaccine as the one that are being given to humans. The way the vaccine triggers the animal's immune response is also different than humans. Zoos are monitoring their animals to see if any new knowledge can be gained into how viruses get transmitted between animals and humans. But according to the CDC, 75% of emerging infectious diseases does come from animals. COVID-19 is thought to have been originated in bats, then ultimately passed to humans in 2019. Experts say that learning more about cross-species transmission could prevent future pandemics. All right. So, zoos are one of the few controlled environments where humans and wildlife interact on a regular basis. In St. Louis, the zoo is focused on vaccinating staff who work with animals. Currently, staff wear PPE around the animals and undergo daily screenings for COVID-19 symptoms and exposure. And as Dr. Louis Padilla, a St. Louis zoo veterinarian, said, the biggest thing we do to keep our animals safe is to keep our staff safe. And we 100% agree. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc? Protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.